Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast, episode 204. Uh, and joining us this week, longtime friend of Maiden Utica, Handshake City, the Uticast, FTL Sports, GFOP, Pete Connors is back, a.k.a. Pete Zah, talking about his legendary pizza streak. It's unreal. Uh, also, a little bit of NHL playoffs, a little bit of concert stuff, a little bit of coffee stuff, all sorts of stuff from local Renaissance man, Pete Connors. Uh, also this week, we predicted it, Heather Sick. Uh, so Kevin and I will be uh, going back and forth about the major topics of the week, including uh, Elizabeth Warren and Mayor Pete Buttigieg, whose name I definitely didn't practice before this, uh, news from the dystopian future, history lessons, uh, Taco Bell's hotel, and so much more. All this, folks, uh, all this and more on episode 204 of the Uticast. As always, we are happy to have you here. Oh, yes. Fulfilled. That's right, listeners. I predicted it last week, and it's come to pass. Heather is sick. We knew it. We, <laughs> knew, it. we knew it was coming. Told her. She, she adamantly denied it, but uh, at the end of the day, she's not feeling well, and she is home. So, Kevin, we're back. It's episode 204. Uh, Pete Connors is on this week. It's been a long time since we've had Pete Connors on any of our Uticast uh, properties. Too long, if you ask me. We had a great conversation. Uh, so really nice to talk to Pete this week. Uh, do you think you could eat pizza for 138 straight days, or whatever it was he he was doing? Yeah, <laughs> it's I not do. unattainable. I, I mean, I don't. I listen for, first and foremost. First and foremost, I commend, I commend his dedication, his commitment. Yeah. Um, I don't think I would. I think at some point in there, the self loathing would become too strong. And I would be like, Jesus, I gotta mix in a salad here. What I think he said sort of was like, there's enough different varietals of pizza that you can sort of get away from. None of that's a problem. None of that's right. I'm not not getting sick of it. That's not the concern. (laughs) Probably a health concern. Yeah, yeah. The concern is like, oh my god, I've eaten a pizza every single day. I'm gonna die. This is horrible. Yeah. Like, yeah, that would be the true. part that I think would be tough. No, I wouldn't get sick of the pizza. I would love to That's eat pizza fair. every day. I love pizza. And he's spot on. There are. There's a million different kinds. Oh, yeah. So we talked different kinds. You could go a month and have a different kind of pizza every night. So, objectively, that was the starting point of our conversation. But we actually had a really nice conversation about he works for uh, Westcott Security and he's doing all sorts of live concert stuff. He's, no, he's back. Man about town. Right? He's all over the man. place. Yeah, he's, and he's place. working with uh, Utica Coffee now as well. So he is... Well distributed across the city. Local man about town on Twitter star. Yeah, exactly. Pete forgets. Oh, Charlie the Cat's joining us here in lieu of Heather. Um, So also, I guess we should mention uh, this weekend was the fifth birthday bash for Maiden Utica down at Handshake City. We were both in attendance. Uh, I had a really nice time. Kevin, any thoughts on it? Any personal thoughts you enjoyed? Um, it's, I mean, the party, it's, yeah, the party itself was great. I had a nice time. Um, It's crazy to, if you had ever told five years ago when we were sitting on some deck at Nail Creek couple people coming up with like sort of having the conversation that would become the idea of doing this whole Maiden Utica thing. If you had told any of us in five years time that there would be a park that we had downtown where we were throwing events that had grown to the scale that it's grown to, I don't think anybody would have believed you. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's crazy. It's really crazy. And you sort of have reflection when you go 
you know, every time you have a birthday, an anniversary, you have reflection on what, what you've done, what you've been doing, you know, what you're going to do in the future. And it really is uh, kind of humbling and pretty wild to see. Yeah, I, I'm always I'm always surprised by uh, I'm always surprised by it. Weirdly, when I walk down there, I'm always just looking. I, I constantly, even now, I look around and I go, "Huh, yeah, 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 yeah." It's pretty wild. What <laughs> this is all, where this all came from, and where it all is now, and hopefully where it's all going forward. A lot of good stuff in the works. I'm really excited for the Pinewood Derby. I know that's coming up in a couple. And yeah. I guess, yeah. I mean, my mom said she found my old Pinewood Derby cars. I got my old cars. So I'm curious if they're the same thing. Like, we can't probably use them, right? Because not the same. Same kit. It's the same kit. Is it the same kit Why forever? Would we do? It's a piece of pine, four nails, and four wheels. That's mm. all it is. That's mm. all it is. If I win, I feel like I'll get backlash because I didn't make it. 100%. I'll leave that backlash. <laughs> I'll leave that backlash. The only reason I'm not entering the old cars is because I don't want to just destroy everybody. <laughs> I mean, you talk long to the state tournament, like oh, oh, not for nothing. Oh, but yeah. I actually never went to any the number of the three state purple tournament. cobra car. Uh, the purple cobra. I had three, and you could tell that I was a nerd because they were all named after like whatever kind of thing I was into at that particular moment. I think one of them was called Rodan because I had just seen the movie Rodan, mm-hmm. topical because the Godzilla movie is coming out in a couple weeks. Not to be confused with the makeup pyramid scheme, Rodan and Fields. Not Rodan and Fields. Okay. Uh, I had one called. Um, the Predator, because I had just mm-hmm. seen the movie The Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And then I had one called Cerberus. It had flames all over it. Don't know why. I'm not sure about that one. I'm trying. I don't know what cultural touch point. Cerberus? What do you mean? But I don't know why that was in my like frame of reference at Cerberus that particular awesome. time. The three-headed undead dog guard of the underworld. Yes, or Cerebus, as some jerks would make you pronounce it. Yeah, whatever. Like, exactly. Six one half dozen. You know uh, that, man. <laughs> yeah, so go to Handshake That City, sign up for all the upcoming events. Also, Barks and Brews coming up, which is everyone's... I feel like that's the yearly favorite. People love any event with beer and dogs. It's a good combination. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I don't know if you can you. It seems like a leader for yearly favor. We haven't even done a year down there, so it's hard to say with yearly. It feels like that's. It's a it's a strong mix. People love dogs. People love dogs. You couldn't do a cat day down there. I was thinking about that for poor Charlie, but I was like, he it would be very no disinterested. Uh, All right, so I had a couple other things this week for you. Um, I guess let's start here. Uh, We didn't watch Game of Thrones. Nope. Game of Th- we're not really Game of Thrones fans. I don't even nope. think Heather really is either. Um, so if at the end of the show, if Maiden Utica's Justin Parkinson stumbles in here into the studio to watch wrestling, maybe at the very end, I'll have him come on and give his thoughts about the series as a person who actually watched it, because I don't have any thoughts about it. Braver than I am. I'll let him say, he seems to like it, regardless of what the backlash out there is about it. People yeah, he's are, backlashing. He's backlashing against the yeah, backlash. He's being contrary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He seems to still be in on it. Um... He has to be. He's doubled down. He's invested too much. Much like anything else, he takes a hard line on. He overinvests himself in the wrong position, then has to double down because he can't back down. Uh, so, uh, spot the lie, Sam. No, I, I didn't say you were wrong. Uh, no, but uh, that ended this week. A lot of people. Seems like the general consensus on the internet is people are kind of lacklusterly like, ah, oh, we're at the end. I haven't even looked. Yeah, people seem a little. Like, I don't really. I don't follow the show, so I don't even like. I don't see what people are saying. I'm not really sure much about anything of it. Did you know that it's not the only HBO show that had its series finale this weekend? There's another one. The classic comedy series Veep also mm. came to an end this weekend. Uh, Veep not as popular, I guess, as Game of Thrones, certainly, but it did win a lot of awards, especially for Julia Louis-Dreyfus and for HBO. Mm. So right now, Game of Thrones is gone. Veep is gone. It's two of your high, your, one of your high-prestige shows and maybe the most popular television show, a cultural show at the moment. Both gone. I've seen a lot of people talking about what what's next. What show are people watching next? Do you have any show 
that you would tell people to jump on now that Game of Thrones is over. They need new content. On HBO? Well, in any, I, I wrote down a couple from HBO. Like, the HBO 3 that I think of, certainly, are, like, Succession and Barry, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then people seem to really like Big Little Lies, which is another show people were in on that has another new season coming out. I saw that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if you haven't watched The Leftovers, you're wasting your time. Leftovers. You, I mean, it's tough to, for you to even really have an opinion about television as a whole if you haven't seen The Leftovers. <laughs> fair. Tough. I mean, tough but fair. I see what you're doing and I don't like it. I mean, you are not the only one. But yeah, The Leftovers still in three seasons. Um, I would recommend people jump in on that. I mean, likewise, you want to make it all about you, uh, you should watch The Wire. Yeah, that's Watch true. the wire. Uh, there's that's the nice thing about HBO is they got a lot of back content that people have never seen. Like I've never really watched Oz. I bet I would like that. There's a couple other like of the semi comedy shows. I bet I would like. I'm gonna throw a couple other things out here. What about Billions? You ever watch Billions on Showtime? Like, what is Billions? I, I just, don't understand. I, it seems like just in the last six months I've people... been hearing a lot of takes where it's like, oh yeah, everybody watches Billions, and I'm like, wait, what? I... What is it? Billions? I think it's a show. Okay, so I watch uh, Succession. Who's and... in it? What's his name? Uh, not Gandolfini. He's dead. Not uh, Giamatti. Paul Giamatti is in it, I think. Is he's one of the characters. Okay. What's and they're it about? like they're like TV moguls or re- they're really really rich dudes, like rich people problems, basically, like big corporate billionaire problems. Billionaire problems, right? I um, so I assume it's like Succession, except less overly like dramatic, like to a point. Right, it's probably a little bit more low key than like a succession. Succession, you think they got like a like a ballers vibe where they're out there like listening to rap music and convertibles. Ball. Yes, a little more like that, like, like with fun, the rock. fun billionaires, right? As opposed to like serious, heavy-handed billionaires. Hmm. Um, I guess I'm totally guessing. I have no idea. Okay. Uh, the other, I guess Ballers is a show people could watch. That's still on. They could. Is it? Uh, Good for them. What about Westworld? We were in on the first two seasons of Westworld. I would assume that HBO would like people to watch Westworld now that Game of Thrones is over with. Yeah, season two was fine. Season three might be good. You watched the trailer for season three? It came out today. No, I haven't. Well, we'll watch, watch it afterwards. And today. It's it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, so that's I couldn't think of any other shows besides yeah, that. I'm not out on Westworld like most people are. No, I'm not either. Are, but are we backlashing against the backlash the way we just told? Said about no, Mark we and were. Her. No, we were the backlash. We- Parkinson was the backlash. He was the <laughs> one who came in and he got you all gassed up about you. Like, wait a minute, do. Even if, even though I'm enjoying watching this, do I not like this? And it's like, well, just, no. But I'm just still watching. in on the shows. But am I still on? You're back in. You were out. I am. Am I back in? You're flip flopping. I don't know about flip flopping on Westworld. television. There's only a few things you're allowed to flip flop on. Television's okay. You're allowed to change your mind about television shows. I yeah, think. that's fine. It's totally fine. Um, I heard that the miniseries about Chernobyl on HBO is really good. Uh, I've heard that. I've also seen trailers for this Watchmen HBO series that people seem to be somewhat excited for, although I don't know if I can get excited in another rendition of the Watchmen or more superhero stuff right now. Endgame mm. kind of satisfied me with superheroes a little bit, for just, just like, a little bit. Did you see they got a new Batman? Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't have any problem with Robert Pattinson. Like kid, kid from Twilight. Yeah. Edward the Vampire, for anybody who doesn't I, know his name. He's apparently very good in the movie Good Times. He's, he's good in a lot of movies. Yeah. He's put out so many good movies in like yeah. 10 years. I mean, Excellent actor. Get paid. It's a good glow Seems like a weird him. flex for Batman, but take a look. I guess go with a younger <coughs> Batman. It's always Super seems, young. Like, seems it's always an older guy, right? Super young Batman. How old is Batman supposed to be? Uh, depends. What's your when depends you think when you, when you think Batman? What age do you think? I'm thinking Keaton, like in, the, in his early forties. Gonna be like, about forty. Yeah. yeah, right. I'm thinking Maybe Batman like, uh, be off of like thirty eight to forty three. Old man strength. Um, all right. So we've gone ten minutes on on that. That's good. That's good. 
Uh, Stretching you for time here, no, since all your Heather it. stuff is off. Well, we, I don't. Again, I felt like it was weird for us to talk about all this discussion about Alabama and the abortion stuff that's going on, and the and whether Roe versus Wade is really under fire. Perhaps and, we should lead by example, and uh, as two dudes uh, decide to leave it to the ladies to discuss, it's not exactly. really our place. Like, let women have the choice to do what they want and give them autonomy over their own bodies. It seems like simple stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, in my personal, well, you can tell. I mean, you can tell they're really trying to stir it up. Yeah. Really trying to stir it up. Really don't want you looking at the fact that, like, you know, they're ignoring all the congressional subpoenas and all this stuff is going on. I so. thought uh, they tried to catch uh, Pete Buttigieg out on a question about it during his, his Fox. Is that how you say it? Buttigieg, yeah. Buttigieg? It's butt at edge. That's how I keep thinking about it. Buttigieg. Yeah, Pete Buttigieg. Tough. Yeah. It's tough. It took me a little Like bit. Mayor Pete. So he says some nice things, but, like, that's tough to have that last name. It's t- <laughs> Mayor Pete. That's why he's got to have a nickname. Mm-hmm. Well, they tried to corner him in like a in a question about it. They're like, "So, would you say that you're okay with third, you know, third trimester abortions or whatever?" Or third, mm-hmm. and he's like, "I don't, you know, feel comfortable talking about, you know, asking that question. I don't have an opinion on it." And they're like, "So, you would be okay with it?" He's like, "Well, it's six. That's six thousand of those happen. That's mm-hmm. like one yeah. percent of the total number of abortions. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like ha- talking about that one percent." Mm-hmm. Uh, really talks about the whole issue. I thought that was a really smart way to. Think. Oh yeah, he yeah I, he went on there. It was a Fox News town hall. He went on there and he dunked all over Chris Wallace. It was actually really interesting to watch. And it's a weird thing because he's he's one of the second ones to go do it now, and you get standing ovations from the Fox News crowd. But I mean, that's what these people do with everything. Like disingenuously represent issues. Like they were talking about. Uh, Bernie Sanders was talking about how we should allow uh, felons to vote. If you are convicted of a felony, you shouldn't lose your right to vote. Which you know makes sense. Like when you say it and consider it like a rational human being, and they're out there like. Well, Bernie Sanders said that the Boston bomber should be able to vote. It's like, yeah. I never want a Boston bomber. I don't think he's even a citizen. So, of course, he can't vote. But, like, number two, that's not what anybody's talking about. Like, it's so disingenuous to pick this one extreme example and then be like, that's yeah. what you're saying you want. That's what you're saying you want. This actually kind of wraps nicely around into where this conversation was going anyway. Because uh, there's been some conversation about uh, Elizabeth Warren this week, who just keeps saying stuff that I like. I don't know. I just She keeps saying stuff and throwing policies She's the out. the best one out there by my mind. I like it at all. This point. I, mean, I really do. <laughs> I, what I like about her is that she, she's coming with policies. Yeah, policy. She loves policy. She's got policy, policy proposals. Yeah. And, like, yeah. so everybody gets caught up in, like, the uh-huh. memes and, like, the, you know, the low-rent, low-income information low-hanging fruit stuff but like mm. need somebody with policy well so that's very true and I, I like a lot of what she's saying and i've yet to hear anything that she said that totally makes me go like nah i, I like everything she's been good so far i'm surprised more people aren't as excited about her as i as i see i don't know i'm not surprised that i am surprised i feel like she's gonna rise up in the polls as we get closer to the primaries uh, I'll say this, though. She came out this week uh, and had a really great quote about uh, Fox News and why she would not participate in one of their town halls. She called it a hate-for-profit racket, spot the lie. Uh, and she, uh, But argue is an important platform to reach voters that may not otherwise expose Democratic candidates. Uh, so she's on one side of this argument saying she'll never go on Fox News. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bernie Sanders and uh, Pete Buttigieg have both been on Fox News for town halls. What side of this argument are you on? Are you on the side that says we shouldn't give... Uh, airtime to Fox News because they don't represent like the values that we do or do you think it's better to be in front of their audience? Yeah. Um I mean I'm I'm on the side where everybody should be able to do whatever they think is right. Yeah. Um I I think that it's it's fair to say that different people have different skill levels. I totally understand where she's coming from on mm-hmm. that and I think she's right and I think hate for profit is a really really concise yeah. term that boils down a problem you know, yeah. that's been brewing for a really long time. Um, and so I get what she's saying, and she makes a lot of sense, but by that same token, there are other people who, you know, when they go on there, 
and you'll see him win over these viewers, you know, in the town hall. And I mean, Fox News chooses these viewers. They don't just pull people off the street. Mm. They have control over the audience. Yeah. It's their people that are in there. <clears throat> and to watch watch somebody go in there, dunk all over, you know, whoever's hosting it, and yeah. then sort of win these people over and give these people the view, that's important as well. You know what I mean? And I think that actually it's smart uh, for different people to be doing both. Yeah. So go ahead. That's true. Let her, because now she gets to come out, she gets to make this point and be like, you know, this is, these guys are the worst, this hate for profit thing like, is disgusting, this time we call it spade a spade. She gets to do that Will you also get the effect of other guys going out there and being like, yeah, also, we'll come up, we'll pull up, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, we'll pull up and pop the trunk if you want us to. So yeah, it's a double prong approach and it seems to be working. Uh, I think uh, there was one quote that I wanted to find here from that I thought was interesting. Uh, he had two quotes. I'll start with this one. Mayor he, Pete or Pete forgets? Mayor Pete. Okay. Uh, he says, I think a lot of people tune into Fox in good faith. I don't know yet everyone tunes into Fox in good faith, but there is probably a section of like the audience that tunes into Fox News assuming that they're getting... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Considerable amount of It's them. important, I guess, to reach those people to get that other point of view out mm-hmm. there, right? I, I see that point for mm-hmm. sure. He also went out to say that like he agreed with her to a certain extent as well. He said he sees where she's coming from, so... Yeah. I'm glad that this... It's always important to remember, especially when it comes to discussions having to do with like politics and things this large yeah. scale, there's never a really a black or white yes or no answer for stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, to come down on one side or the other, like, this is the way it should be. Be like, listen, I understand what you're saying. She makes a great point. I went out there. This is also a great point. And Elizabeth Warren would probably come out if you asked her and be like, oh, yeah, it was awesome when they were on there. You know what I mean? Good media week for Mayor Pete. <laughs> Pete's been having a really nice media time. Um, I would like to see him have a little bit more policy... Yeah. Um, experience. I would be. I would like to see him hold something higher than mayor before he became president. Do you think Beto O'Rourke is mad that he sort of stepped <laughs> on his on his yard? Beto O'Rourke's a fool. He shouldn't have run. <laughs> Beto. He shouldn't. It wasn't time. Yeah. It wasn't time. He should have stayed and maybe gone after John Cornyn. Although mm. I think that uh, Marianne or Mary Lou, whatever her name is, down there has a decent mm. chance. But uh, yeah, it just wasn't time. Not time. Bad way to read the tea leaves. Getting caught up in your own narrative. You know what I mean? Get caught up in the hype the machine. Variety. David Axelrod shows up at your house. And you're like, oh man, I don't know. I guess he was born for it, though. You know, he had, it was it was a bad rollout for him. We had a lot of talk about bad rollouts for a lot of these politicians over the last couple of months. We's also, I mean, not for nothing. Uh, you know, Texas Democrat might not be our favorite kind. No, it's true. So I don't know. Uh, I don't, I have, well, I'll move past this story. It's not really important. I was going to talk about, uh, there's people who are mad because they donated $22 million to a GoFundMe for a guy who's going to build the wall and it hasn't been built yet. Do you have any yeah. sympathy for the people? Zero. <laughs> Zero. Uh, good article in the Utica OD. Every time I see something like that, it makes me feel like it would be relatively easy to scoop like. Yes. Scoop, like, just like a, like a quick, like, 40 grand <laughs> off something somewhere. <laughs> like, it's crazy uh, that these people, the brashness. Yeah. To set up this GoFundMe, see it get up to $22 million and be like, oh, I'm just going to take it. Nobody will probably say anything. And it's like, well, I think somebody might. He bought a yacht. <laughs> he really did. That's no joke. You read the rest of that story. He bought a million-dollar yacht with the money. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, just a quick update from the Observer Dispatch article about data research about measles in this area. Congratulations, uh, Oneida County. Do you know that 98% of Oneida County uh, is vaccinated at the moment? Uh, in terms of pretty good, good yeah. stuff for us. Glad to see we're all vaccinated out here. You know where most of it comes from? Charter schools and like private schools and stuff. There's a bunch of schools that have religious exemptions, so everyone's exempt for measles. Yeah, charter schools are a huge, terrible problem. Yeah, uh, they're really, really bad. Mm-hmm. Religious it's exemptions, a really bad thing. Yeah, not even just the religious. The whole, the whole concept is awful. Um, oh yeah, that's a <laughs> yeah. The whole concept is ter- charter schools. 
Wolf in uh, sheep's clothing. You got anything in there about the Obelston? No. Is that on the schedule for today? No, no, go ahead. That's uh, just the big, the big news of the Utica. I wasn't sure. Uh, when you said local, it reminded me of it, but it's wild. Did you see? What's no, 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 please. So the Ob- you know what the Obelston building is, right? Uh, vaguely. So if you're on Genesee Street, you're going down uh, right where the Colonial Laundromat is, the yep. giant brick old apartment building. Oh, yeah, right yeah, Right in yeah. the corner okay. there. Biggest, sure. biggest apartment building the downtown. Big yeah. Over 100 years old, this building. Um, when it was opened, it was one of the, the marquee residences in town. It was the nicest place you wanted to live, you know, biggest house on top of the tallest that kind of oh, thing. Oh, yeah. Um, and there have been, you know, it's been problems there for years and years and different floors and area getting close. They have absentee landlords that live down in like New York. Yeah. Nobody pays attention. The city rolled up because it's an election year and they were trying to get that good press. City rolled up with like whole health department thing that a surprise inspection ended up condemning like four whole floors, having to relocate people, having to move people around, oh. trying to get a judgment against the landlord. Nobody can get a hold of them, a whole thing. Oh, but like, man. it's looking like that there's a... Uh, less than a uh, more than zero percent chance that that building might just end up being a loss, full stop, top to bottom. Oh, Which it's like God. it's crazy. Like, and you go drive by, you'll see yeah. them parked out there, like you know, sheriff's vans and like this whole different oh, stuff. Man. And yeah, yeah, really crazy though. Yeah, I wonder what they uh, showed pictures. Uh, a good friend of the pod, Samantha Madison, was on the scene taking mm. a bunch of pictures. You can see him in the OD if you haven't read your one free article for the year. Um, OD Madison at Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they're on the Twitter and they're probably on Facebook too. But uh, yeah, like a lot of pictures of what it looks like in there and like some of the different stuff. And it's really, I mean, third world destitution. Damn. Well, that kind of goes into our larger topic of this week. I had a whole section called Notes from Dystopia. It's a way, quick way to... <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, so I have two, uh, two stories. These are actually tech-based dystopia, but it's all connected to the larger dystopia. Uh, let's start in San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco, this is actually a good story. Uh, San Francisco is the first major city to ban local government agencies for use of facial recognition technology throughout the city. Uh, the Stop Secret Surveillance Ordinance passed 8-1 to one, uh, in a vote by the city's Board of Supervisors. The ordinance uh, will implement an all-out ban in San Francisco City's use of facial surveillance uh, when tech companies, uh, which tech companies such as Amazon and Microsoft currently sell to U.S. government industries. Mm-hmm. So no more facial recognition stuff. Good. I don't like when people steal my face. It's true. To be fair, they probably already have all this stuff. They so got all of it. That's what I feel like that's... What they got all of it. Look, you got three cameras looking at you right now. I know, we got dual screen tech out here today. Literally, they plus your phone. That's three cameras looking at you that's right true. now. That's true. They're all looking at me. It's a, tough for them. It's a bad lot for these guys that have to look at me all the time. Imagine how much horrible stuff they see. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think you, I'm saying like the people right. at large. You don't kind of deprave stuff people doing in front of their computer webcam. Yes, I do. People are doing it on their phone. <laughs> like, well, okay. So, quick conspiracy corner here. We very hmm. rarely do this. Conspiracy corner, right around the corner from a dystopian way. This, dystopian <laughs> way. Uh, do you really think that somewhere there's a big room with just people sitting at desks? No, 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 no. No big room. No, somewhere. you couldn't have people do that. I mean, number you, you no. It's not like in like the those like the eighties. No, yeah, it's yeah. not the eighties anymore. It's not like a big giant warehouse. Not each one of you has an individual agent <laughs> yeah. who watches you. No, There's hey, jobs. Like we need jobs. So, uh, all right. Uh, next, next note from Dystopia. Uh, from my my beloved New York City. Uh, have you read anything about the proposed state law that would slap stiff fines on pedestrians who text and email on their phones while crossing the street? So it's basically a no texting while walking ban for New York City residents. Do you have any thoughts about this? Uh, I mean, as you know, you you know better than I would walk around down the city, I'm sure. But it's tough, right? Because I don't know how you like you legislate and enforce that. But I can see why that's important. People just risk it all going oh, across yeah. the street, not paying any attention. Like 
you got to find a way to do something. I don't know how you do it. I don't know if that's the right way, but I understand where they're trying to go. Uh, the law do would... I think it will be uh, distorted and misrepresented to make New York look like a liberal hellhole? I do. Sure. <laughs> um, I do, yeah. But I get what they're saying. Uh, so I, I actually do every now and then like a New York Post headline, especially a non-political article, because they mm. throw some good zingers in here. They always get good quotes. This is my favorite one from here. What a dumb prospect, scoffed Chris Werner, 36, who barely looked up from his phone as he walked across West 32nd Street. I'm like, boom! Great, great journalism. I love it. New York Post. I used to, you know, I used to actually pick up the Post or the Daily or the daily News and I was in New York if it was on the subway because people would just leave them on the subway all the time. Say what you will about their content and some of it's garbage. Pretty, It's a pretty entertaining garbage. <laughs> Yeah. It's pretty. It's pretty readable garbage. Oh yeah, highly readable. <laughs> highly readable. Sure, a lot of New York Post and Daily News when I was a kid. Uh, so there you go. Uh, you th- I do understand that. Like, I, look, I lived in New York. I lived in Utica. Now you see people just walking across the street in their phones all the time, just walking around aimlessly on their phones. There's got to be a better way, right? This is probably not going to work, and people will just continue to do this. It'll be hard to enforce. But I guess it, it's got to exist to let people know, right? You can't. You can't catch everybody, but you catch some people, and I guess that's a start. I don't know. I don't I guess. know. How do you? Who's catching them? Yeah, it's true. You station somebody. Some guy in like a Segway, like a police Segway. Yeah. It's not gonna go well. Uh, all right, uh, that's it. That's what I got for this week. Uh, also, though, if you folks hear this on Tuesday uh, or Tuesday morning, school board elections day. Go out and vote in your local school board elections today, Tuesday, May twenty first. If you're listening to it on Tuesday. Uh, but for now, let's get to this week's interview with longtime friend of the pod, longtime shadow member of Maiden Utica. I was trying to come up with a term. He's been around for Maiden Utica stuff for a really long time, Pete Connors. And he, he's been a longtime supporter of not just this show, but pretty much everything Maiden Utica does. Uh, and it was really nice to have him on the show. You may have heard him on the uh, FTL podcast back in the day when we used to briefly have a sports podcast. Mm-hmm. And one last note, this is the first interview we've ever recorded from Handshake City. We just happened to find time with the portable mic down at the studio. Uh, so it does sound a little bit different uh, because I I won't get into the reasons why I have to change all sorts of conversions. Either way, here's the interview. Changing uh, conversions. It's terrible. Is that the technical term? I don't know. Peacocks, <laughs> everybody. Peacocks. We're in Handshake City. We're in sort of the... We're in the kitchen. It's the kitchen. The kitchenette. <laughs> the the kitchenette. Yeah. The first ever uh, recorded interview for the podcast here at Handshake City. So that's uh, hey. that's quite a, a feat here that for you, cool. Peter. Uh, Pete, for a lot of folks who don't know Pete, uh, Pete's one of our longtime listeners. Also, if you've listened to the show long enough, you may remember Pete from our very brief uh, sports-based podcast, which I just ran out of time to produce, which right. is really the You know, it's it's honestly, it's been 200, this is episode like 204, I think, and I, I'm, I might be missing a number here by the time I put it out, but right. uh, that's probably the biggest shame 
of my time as a podcaster here for me because I couldn't get that that sports show to work for me. I think. The time just wasn't there. I just I life got in the way. It's you know what the problem is not the recording of it. It was promoting two shows a week became too oh, much abs- of an issue absolutely. for me. I was just like, nah, I got like too much schoolwork and grad school stuff going on. But, yep. uh, but you folks may remember uh, primetime Peter Connors, as his nickname is. <laughs> in, uh, yeah, you've been, we made you in the, in our WWE 2K18 video game. We've made a lot okay, of, right. made you good. I think you've met, told me this before. Yeah, yeah. you and, uh, shout out to Anthony Colenzo. You guys were Westcott Security, the tag team, which I now have to update because I don't think you're doing that. No, game. I am doing that. You're still I, doing that. I'm yeah, doing yeah. that. I've got to work tonight, actually. Oh, nice. What are you working tonight? Uh, get the light out. Oh, is it the brewery? Yeah, the brewery. Nice. Are you a Zeppelin fan in the first place? I love Led Zeppelin. Love Zeppelin. I love Led Zeppelin. I saw Get the Let Out, which is one of the few shows that I actually went down to the brewery for last year. And I, I, I have to be honest, I didn't know that's who was playing. I just happened to be down at the brewery that night. Right. And like people were like, hey, Get the Let Out's playing. And uh, they're excellent. Really, yeah, they're really fa- good. They're fantastic. Yeah. You know, they're, they are the official Led Zeppelin tribute band. Is that like a national thing? Like the, yeah. the national... Yeah, they, they have a con- I believe they have a contract with Zeppelin. <laughs> How does that even work? I wonder. That they have to play... The, um, everything they play on stage, they can play whatever they want, so long as it's played note for note as it appears really? on on the albums. Huh? That's super particular. I feel like that's a really it's a really particular. Is, like, but if you if you want to hear Led Zeppelin, you want to hear Led Zeppelin done right. Is that? I wonder. And you might know better than me from your time like being around these shows. But is that common if you have like a cover band? Like, there's an official like tribute band or thing that goes on. Like, I'm sure that like. So I think some do. Yeah, not, not many. That doesn't seem like normal. Right. A lot of them give them extent. the creative license to you know go out and make my song your song. We've always sort of joked around because I you know I grew up playing music right. and with Kevin and the boys and um, you know the joke for her period of time there was like a thing that people would do especially on Halloween shows where you would have like a show on Halloween and every band would. Pretend to be a different band for that. Oh band, yeah, right. Well, you you know me. I'm a huge Fish fan. And yeah, yeah. They've done that time and time again, where <laughs> they have gone out. They've come out um, the first time they did the Beatles White Album. Yeah, they're playing full, full on uh, covers of the albums, and yeah. now they've actually morphed away from that, and they're debuting their own brand new music. Nice, which is phenomenal way to introduce new music to people. So for years, uh, Kevin and I have been talking about we want to do like a Weezer just Blue Album Pinkerton cover band, like just those first two Weezer right. albums. Yeah. And then the other one is I just want to be I don't even like this band that much, but it would be really fun to just do an all Oasis tribute band, just play all the Oasis <laughs> songs and get really drunk and like yell in a British accent for like an hour and a half. It'd be a lot. Start of fun. beating each other up like Liam and Nolan. Uh, well, I actually I want to come back to something you just said because uh, you said you're a big Fish fan, and uh, yeah. I'm a. I've been a musician since I was old enough to remember picking up a guitar. I was like 14, 15. I have kind of circled around the idea of Fish as a band, and I... I'm not like a huge. I hate to. I hate to say I'm not a jam band guy because it's a really blanket statement, and it doesn't. Because I grew up listening to like Sublime and stuff, and that right. sort of got jammy influences in it. And Ab- absolutely, and I like certain like Dead songs, but I feel like the like Fish is kind of daunting if you've never listened to any of it. Like, where do you jump in? Where do you start? Like, where does it begin? Where Where to jump in? You never know where. You to never begin. know. Yeah. I, I never have a good answer to that question. Mm-hmm. Um, but. My advice is always, if you haven't seen them live, go and see them live because yeah. you're going to get 
a brand new appreciation for them that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Because yeah. the live show is just spectacular. You're probably going to groan when I make this comparison because they're not the same band. But I felt that way as a younger man going to see Dave Matthews Band. Like I kind of had an opinion about Dave Matthews Band when I went to go see them as a kid. And then I saw them live and I was like, you know what? This dude is a lot more technical and a yeah. lot more like... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, his band's a bunch of phenomenal musicians. Yeah. Where they get their bad rap is their fans. Well, I think that happens. That happens to a lot of. A lot of people. That, that's more of a problem, yeah. I think. That happens in sports all the time. Oh, like constant. Some very like popular baseball, soccer, right. basketball thing. Like yep. bad fan bases. Um, Pete, initially, the reason I brought you on here was because I wanted to ask you about this uh, this pizza stretch you've been on. Pizza, uh, pizza stretch. <laughs> uh, and before you started, uh, before we even came in here, you ate two slices from Johnny's Pizza. Yeah, I, I just, I just uh, got through day number 138. 138. Uh, I do want to save that, though, because I want to do that toward the end yeah. over here. I want to start off with a couple things, because even though you people may know you from uh, being a supporter of us on the show and on the internet and on Twitter and being on different podcasts and being on the main Utica events, I don't know if we've ever done the official like podcast recording session where what's your story? So no, we have. So let's start. Pete, where were you born initially? I'm a, I'm from Utica. You're from born Utica. And, and where did you um, you went to high school? Where Notre Dame. So you're in Notre yeah. Dame. And uh, I don't mean to age you, but do you do you mind saying what year you graduated? Ninety nine. Ninety nine. I graduated twenty years ago. Twenty years ago. You, is this your twenty year anniversary? This like are you going twenty year? Are they yeah. doing like a thing for it? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. We'll find out. I'm sure I'll get a Facebook invite at some point. Um, is it just you, Pete? Uh, no, I've got two. Uh, I've got two sisters and a brother. Two sisters, older, younger. All younger. So you're the oldest. I'm the oldest. Oldest. oldest two sisters, four. one brother. Yep. Uh, how close are you guys still? Oh, we're all we're wicked close. Wicked close. Yeah. Age range still kind of. Um, Emily is two years behind me. Okay. Sarah so. is another two years behind her. Interesting. And then our brother, KC, is 11 years younger than me. Okay, so that's sort of what I was curious about. I grew up with two older sisters. There's a big gap. in right. they, they were born like one, two years apart, and then I'm like 10 years afterwards. And I wonder, has that affect, like, how does that affect the relationship between the, the siblings you're closer with and the siblings that you're uh, like, it, age different? It didn't. Not at all. No it, fighting it with the younger. No. Uh, I mean, like, yeah, I was the typical big brother that would pick, pick on him all the time. But no, we. Yeah. I don't think our age difference tore us in different directions. You know, we grew up in different eras, but yeah, we were still around all the same stuff and had similar interests, so it was easy. I talk about that all the time because I uh, my parents are divorced, and I think that my like, yeah, I think that when you get to a point where you go through something like that with a family. You look at like your siblings as the people. It's like you know what? These are the only people who can really say that they understand the situation that I'm in because yep, absolutely you're in it together. And I think when you go through divorce, it sort of galvanizes that relationship. It makes it stronger yeah. because you feel like you have to rely on these people who who've been through and seen what it's like. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Notre Dame. What are you doing out in Notre Dame uh, when you're in high school? What's your you football guy, sports guy? You uh, bumming yeah, around? I uh, I played soccer, ran track. Nice, nice. And uh, where'd you go to college? I went to Siena. Siena. Yep. And what did you grad? What was your grad? What was your major in Siena? Which time? First. <laughs> first time. Let's see. I started as a um, accounting major. Accounting. Switched to history. I love it. An excellent, an excellent choice. Got in a fight with the head of the department. Awesome. And switched back to marketing. Marketing. Now I just got to ask because I always ask people this question. So you're coming out of you're coming out of Notre Dame. You go into uh, Siena for the first time. That's accounting. Right. 
What was the plan at that point in time? Like, what were you thinking at the end? I of had it? no plan. No plan. I had, I had no plan. That's common, especially. I think that's more common than even as a guy who works in education. I think that we care to admit that it's it's hard to come right. out of high school and have some dead yeah. set. Absolutely, yeah. it is. You know, and did you feel pressured at the time to like? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. It was right at the beginning of the hey. Everybody's got to go to college phase. Everybody's got to go to know? college. Yeah. And now look where we are. Look mm-hmm. back, you know? That but, was, well, that was something that was sold to us a little bit, right? Like, oh, that, and, and we all bought it, hook, line, and sinker. And I think the reason for it is it, it probably was true for maybe 20 years before our time. And that's why that story existed. Like, for our parents, it was sort of like if you go to college and get a job. Like, my mom was teaching right. elementary school on a bachelor's degree at like 19 like to get into teaching then was so different right. than it is now it just gives you a good example of how different it's become right uh, I think there's even more pressure on our kids now just being in that world what made you switch to history initially um I just wasn't doing well with the accounting. with the accounting yeah. and I always loved history did you want to teach I didn't necessarily want to teach yeah I did a semester of student teaching yeah. I enjoyed it yeah you know, but like I said, I got in a fight with our history uh, teacher or the head of the department. What he did was uh, gave us a uh, a point counterpoint. Yeah. And whoever lost the um, the argument get, failed that uh, particular assignment. Interesting. And the other person huh. got was given a perfect score. I see. And I lost by one vote, and I failed. Hmm. So. Turned around and dropped the, <laughs> dropped the class and got out of there. I still uh, loved a couple of my history professors. I absolutely loved them. History, you know, as a history major, with we got a history degree, bachelor's degree in history in New York, and then tried to go hunting for a history degree, uh, a job in like the history field. Right. It it was certainly a tiny bit demoralizing. There was a certain exa- the general mentality was you will not get a job teaching history. Or using your history degree if you have it. Like, there's 90% of history majors do not use their degree in any sort of history-based field. And that's that was always sort of a kind of a downer <laughs> at the time. Right. Unless you decide to get into teaching, right? Which seems to be the other side of that coin. Right, because what your options are pretty limited. What are you getting? You're going to go work with the museum? Or that's, that's what I, did. I tried to go pretty, work. That's pretty much about it? I tried to do the museum thing in New York. That was, that was as close as I ever got. I got hired for a week at a museum as, like, an intern. Right. And they couldn't pay me anymore because they were like underfunded surprise surprise <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> uh, so then you go into marketing and I guess at that time what are you thinking with the marketing like just wanted I, to be involved in yeah, some sort of like at that point my grades were so bad that uh, it was the easiest major and I knew that I could go in and skate by in a lot of places and I took advantage of that and I did you know, but so, it, I enjoyed it when did you uh, when did you actually leave Siena I left Siena in January of 05. 05. Wonderful. Uh, now so, you, so if you're keeping score at home, yes, that is five and a half years. That's all right. Hey, listen, I uh, I was on the four-year MBCC program. I think, but it's, <laughs> there's, no, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, every, they try to pressure you into doing it all in four years, but yeah. honestly, the average is five to six. Did you... Outside of the education, did you enjoy your time at Siena? You had a good did time? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to die ever. Because that's another part of it, too, I suppose. Oh, I, I always liked I, the campus. Well, it's a really nice campus. A beautiful campus. Yeah. You know, we pulled on the campus, and I took one look around and said, this is it. Yeah. I knew immediately that's where I wanted to be. Yeah. You get out of Siena in 05. What, uh, what's your first stop after that? My first stop after that was uh, working with ACS. Mm-hmm. 
uh, doing student loans. Student loan. Oh, God. <laughs> I worked student loans. And actually, I was on that ride for almost 15 years. Really? Yeah. What, um, was that just sort of opportunity that fell into your yeah, lap? It or? Was, yeah, it really is. I was looking for full-time work, and they were the only ones hiring at that point, and got in, and the rest was history. And did you enjoy it to a certain extent? Any? I wasn't satisfied. You know, Very you, good, yeah. It's hard to do a job like that. It's so thankless. And even though you know you've accomplished something and you've yeah. put your heart and soul into it to make sure you get it right for this, that student borrower, yeah. because you, you know, I myself have my own. I want to make sure that it's right for the next guy. It was, it was thankless. So this cubicle type gig. What's that? Is a cubicle type job? It was total yeah, cubicle. Yeah. You know, I started off on the phones, and yeah. as soon as I got away from that, I ended up uh, doing processing for about ten years. Which was much better, um, not quite as demoralizing, but well, it still sucked. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say I fell across this problem when I came back to Utica, right? I right. came back to Utica after I did the New York City thing, and I really I did have I don't talk about this too often. There was definitely problems with me like finding work initially, right off the bat, right? Like it was it was not so I ended up going to like the temp places. I went to like staff works. I ended up doing like temp work over at MBCC and all the different campuses. So I got offered a job over at MetLife doing the yep. the, the cubicle gig up there. And at the airport? Uh, yeah, up at the airport. Yep. And uh again I it was a great paying job. And if you can if you have it in you to do that cubicle work and to sit there and interact with people on the phone, it is kind yeah. of thankless. It's a pretty good gig, but man, I, I knew almost immediately it was not for me. Yes, yeah, no, it, exactly. You, you know when you get in there and get into the thick of things whether you're going to be in the weeds or you're going to be able to fly above it. And for most people, you're in the weeds doing that. Yeah, yeah. And it's it, it does make you wonder. That was like a big wake-up call for me to a certain extent because it's, you know, you... You get this impression, like, we grew up in this lifestyle where it's like, you go to college, you get this degree, you come out, and I remember sitting in that gig and being like, is this all it is? This is all it is, huh? Like, this is what we've been working toward, huh? It was office space. It's office space. It was literally office space. (laughs) Yes. That movie could not have been any more Mm -hmm. on point. Were you uh, were you always into like the music and concert scene even during this time, during the ACS stuff? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I've been going to shows as often as I can for... The better part of 30 years. When did the idea of sort of doing the security or working around that sort of lifestyle become like an idea that you were pursuing? Colenzo hit me up one day. He's like, he's like hey man, you want a uh, part-time job uh, doing some uh, security? And this, is like, this is our buddy Anthony Colenzo. Yeah, yeah. Anthony Colenzo, yeah. Mm. I was like, yeah, so, sounds like a fun summer gig. Yeah. And How, many years, how many years ago was that? This was two years ago. This will be my third season. Third season. Yep. And if you, and I'm, I'm sure this is an easy question for you to answer. What's your like quality of life changed since you've sort of moved over to this gig? Do you feel like it's been better? It's been worse? I music makes me happy, and yeah. being around the music mm-hmm. has made me much happier. Much happier. So my quality of life, I'm I'm happy with. What's the best? What's the best show you've gotten to see through your work uh, doing security with Wesco? That's a good question. <laughs> um, I've gotten to see so many greats. Um, 
I've got to say, Steely Dan was right Ooh, up there last year. Oh, yeah. That That's was, my, it hits me right in the hipster yeah, sweet it was, spot it was right fantastic. there. fantastic. I was working side stage, so I was 30 feet away. It's got to be so technical, like the preciseness of those guys. Oh, Just yeah. that, uh. It was insane. And that's got, it's like a big band up on stage. Yeah, it, it, they had like seven or eight pieces nice. up there. You ever have to get stuck for a show you're not really interested in? That's probably got to be part of the game. Country music. Country music. Have you not? Modern country music. I shouldn't say country music. So Modern I've, country music. I've noticed as I get into my mid-30s now, almost mid-30s, um, I'm looking... I can usually find something I like about a song now as opposed to like 10 years ago where I'd be like, I don't like this song and here's like 15 reasons why because I'm right. particular. The country thing is slow to come around for me. I still kind of struggle with the the nuance of like modern country music and what it sounds it, like and it doesn't... It feels kind of... I, I'm not trying... It's, it's it feels like pop. pop. Yeah. And I... It's, did you listen to old country music though growing up? Like, like Hank no, Williams I, or I something like that? I didn't listen to any yeah. of it. I ragged on my aunt for years. She was a huge Willie Nelson fan. Willie Nelson. Like, on a first name basis with Willie. Really? That, yeah. Ridiculous. Redheaded stranger. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, but... As soon as I, you know, I saw him for the first time in like Go Three, and I messaged her. I was like, you know what? Hmm. I had this all wrong. Like <laughs> he's fun. <laughs> so I really do appreciate the old country, uh, the outlaw country acts from back in the day. What? Um, so I, I think people probably get this impression about like working security at these type of shows as it being sort of like a, a wild madhouse of people is that that probably isn't always the case I'm sure that oh, most of it's pretty straightforward you know you get the kids bop shows and those, those are nice and easy <laughs> do you ever have like any real concerns with these is it mo- do, are most people well behaved when they come out to like concerts most people yes most people, most yeah, people yeah. yes but you're gonna have those small pockets here and there that, yeah. that go out and it's their one night out a year and they don't know how to behave that's true <laughs> It's like you're in an open bar. It has taken me a long time to get to that uh, train of thought because, you know, I'm going to shows all the time. It's like, I know how, I, how I'm how i going to act around people. I know how other people are going to act because I'm with similar-minded people. But, you know, once you realize that not everybody does this, yeah. they're not all professionals. Well, what, uh, I'm sorry, what's sort of like the procedure, right? If you got like a, a Maiden Utica's Justin Parkinson type out there, too drunk, causing trouble, <laughs> is there like a protocol you guys have to follow? Is there like procedure for like when well, things start to get out of hand? Well, we'll make sure that he's st- uh, no longer being served. And yeah. you know, if it escalates to the point where we have to walk him out of the building, we'll walk him out. <laughs> what's your favorite venue you get, to be, you get to go see? Favorite venue to work? Yeah, to work, yeah. To work would probably be Saranac. Saranac venue? Yeah. yeah. It's really nice. Either that or Oma Gang. Well, I'll tell you what. I saw a brand new up at Oma Gang a couple years ago, and it was probably the first time I really got a chance to see like that stage and that setup, and they really got something. They got a great setup. It's a beautiful setup. And you know, I, and it's not a knock against the, the Saranac setup. I think it's just a space issue. I'd really love to see them be able to get like a larger yeah. stage to sort of draw those bigger acts in, because that's always been something that I know they've struggled with, yeah. is a lot of these artists, like big giant bands like Fish or Radiohead or stuff like that, they're not going to be able to pull all their set on no. the small Saranac no. stage. Oh, yeah. no way. I don't know what they would do to make the stage bigger right. or where they would put anybody. You, you would have to put it in the other lot. Other lot, that's true. You have to put it in the big lot on the other side. It's the know. only way you could pull off something that, on that scale. Man, parking. The biggest problem in Utica now. <laughs> Utica's biggest issue. Yep. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about this pizza stretch. I know we were talking a little bit about it on Twitter. Uh, you're at day 138. 138. So, and 
Explain it. So how did this start, and what's the pro- Are you eating one slice of pizza every day, just wherever? A minimum, bare minimum of one slice. Um, sometimes I'm eating three quarters of a pie. How did it start? Did you just accidentally? Completely organically. Completely we walked out organic. of uh, Fish New Year's Eve, and my friend uh, Baker's like, hey, let's go down to Joe's on uh, 3rd <laughs> and 14th and get a slice. Yeah. You've never been up there before, I'm going to take you down. <laughs> we went, and it started right there. Mm-hmm. And I got home, and there was pizza waiting for me. I was like, oh. Next thing I knew, I was eight days deep. I was like, huh. Well, let's see how long we can keep it up. Well, has the interaction on, like, social media with people, like, chipping in on this, has that sort of helped out as well? Like, having people sort of riding along on the ride with you? Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. Because anytime <laughs> I'm seeing people out in public, it's that's the first question I've asked. <laughs> like, and it's taken on such a life of its own, it's amazing. It feels like an only upstate New York thing where it would happen. It's probably not. People, it's a it's a very relatable, like, it people is. love pizza Everybody everywhere. loves pizza. Yeah. Uh, what would you say... Now, I'm, a couple, I have some technical questions here. What's your schedule on how often you repeat a place? Do you have, like, are you trying to find a different place each time, or are you going the same place? I, I try not to do it, but sometimes out of a matter of convenience, yeah. I will uh, double up and yeah. hit the I'm sure this is not the first time you went to Johnny's. Is what no. I <laughs> I'm working next door to Johnny, so I've been to Johnny's twice this week. You know, I used to work over at Taylor the Cook. Shout out to Tim and uh, Johnny's was actually. I think Johnny's is probably one of the more underrated pizza places in Utica. It doesn't get the same discussion that places like Oast Meats or Slice no, or whatever. They, they don't. But um, they were voted the uh, yeah. the best pizza place in Utica. Really? Uh, but was it the either the OD, OD. or KTTV poll? I'd have to, I'm not surprised. Like they do some really they, really good work do. down there. What would you say? Um, what's the? I don't want. I don't want to say the worst because I feel like that's kind of harsh unless you have like some particular pizza place you have a grudge against. But what? Uh, what was the most surprising pizza place you've had, or a slice of pizza you've had in this whole run? Um, I had a slice of pickle pizza. Okay, so you did the pickle pizza. I thing. did. Did, the you, pickle did you like it? I well, I would not have ordered a full pie. <laughs> right. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, Rosado's over on Champlain. Yep. Um, they just opened up maybe a month or two ago. Mm-hmm. And, they happen to have a sliced pie of pickle. Oh, yeah. I was like, all right, yeah, I'll give it a whirl. It was actually really good. A lot of people really like it. Um, I've seen a lot of push for these Detroit-style pizzas now. Have you seen this? Where they do, like, it's the square pizza. It's got, like, mustard. And it's almost like a corned beef sandwich as a pizza. I'll have to show it to you afterwards. I've, I've seen them, and I've got a bunch of friends that are out in Michigan. Yeah. They keep trying to push it on me. I'm like, I don't understand it. I don't get it either. Um, I don't understand it. He's like, no, it's jet pizza. I was like... That means nothing to me. What? How, tell me how this pizza is constructed. What? What type of base is it? Does it, is it a thick crust? Is it? Well, I um, watched it on Food Insider. It, apparently, it's about the particular type of like tray that they cook it in. It's like these little square yeah. black like drop like deep dish uh, things almost, and they're very strange looking. Yeah, it, it almost looks like a box of Elios coming out. It does look like a Elios almost. <laughs> That's very old school. You're definitely from my age. Right? <laughs> Uh, I did uh, I did the Chicago pizza when I was out there. I had family out in Juliet. And we did the um, you know, we did the deep dish thing, and I liked it as a kid. I thought it was cool. Uh, come to find out, uh, according to the internet and people I've talked to in Chicago, that's actually not the primary type of pizza in Chicago. That's like a particular thing that you have to like go out of your way and get is the deep dish. Huh. Apparently, they do something called like St. Louis pizza or like that bar style pizza where it's almost like a flat. 
like cracker style, okay. and they cut it into squares. That's apparently a thing that's very popular out there as I well. S- I, s- I don't like what St. Louis is doing with a lot of foods, but this that's is another No, Bagels seen, and pizza, what are they doing over Oh, there? you're talking about the, the bagels where they cut them the wrong right. way. I don't yeah, understand. They cut them like a loaf of bread, and the, what they're doing with pizza sounds almost similar. I've, I've lived in New York for a long enough period of time, take a shot, where... Um, where I feel like I can stand on the side of those bagels are wrong. The people who are cutting those bagels like that in St. Louis oh, are wrong. Absolutely. It's wrong. Absolutely. It's travesty. Uh, what's the most... So the Pico Pizza is probably the most non-traditional one. Um, Definitely most non-traditional. Non-traditional. What was your... This is probably a tough one. What's the best straight-up cheese slice you've had since you started this? Venice. Venice pizza. That's Ven- a really... I love that call. Venice. If, it, if it's going to be a slice of New York-style cheese, I want Venice. So as a Proctor High School guy, um, we only had two choices growing up, and they were Rosario's yep. and Parkway Pizza. And I think they're a really good dichotomy of the, what you can get here in Utica. If I wanted a slice of cheese, I was going to Parkway all the time. Their cheese slices right. were excellent. Yep. My man Dom out there always trying to steal an extra dollar from me. you got to check your change. <laughs> Love Dom. And then Rosario's, I'm only going for the specialty slice. Give me a chicken bacon ranch or a chicken cali or a garlic and tomato right. or something. Don't give me a regular cheese. I'm not interested in it. Yeah. Uh, and I think they're, that again, that's sort of the joy of doing this thing you do. You can sort of like, you can have pizza every day and it's totally different wherever you go. Right, yeah. Everybody has their own style, their own flair to it. Yeah. Um, you count tomato pie in this? No, tomato pie does not count. <laughs> Is tomato I, pie pizza? <laughs> I did not even attempt tomato pie dead. No, no, I don't do, I don't. I've argued, I don't want to sit here and be that guy who says that tomato pie is overrated. I've said it in, in jest to people, like especially to get people riled up in Made in Utica. Uh, but I don't think about it like pizza. I actually think of tomato pie almost as like a breakfast item. Like I like it in the morning, like if I'm yeah, no, it, yeah, it's really good breakfast. It's a really yeah. How long, I guess, uh, and before we get to our lightning round questions, how long do you plan on going? Like what is there, is there a number? There was no entrance it? game. There's no exit strategy at all. <laughs> it's going until it stops. We need to start making uh, video content for you. I think where or Pete Pete does pizza or something along those lines, where we can get like some right. sort of video content where you're out there. I know I should have been documenting this from day one. I tried to do I tried to do this with Parkinson initially years ago when we first started doing Made in Utica. I wanted to do. The show called Famo Eats World, where or Famo Eats Utica, or something along those lines, right. where I would go do like long form sit downs with people in restaurants. I wanted to do it with Tim at Taylor and the Cook, where I would go in there and I would do like a five minutes with the guy in the back. It was like I forget who was in the back at the time. I think it was ah, he's going to be annoyed. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But my buddy who used to work in the back, do something with the sous chef, do something with the, right. the chefs, sit down with Tim at the table and have a conversation where they film the whole thing, have us share something. And do a whole show like that, and that was always sort of the plan. I could see you doing something like that with the pizza place. That would, that would be kind of cool. I, I would like to do something like that. That's interesting. Maybe I'll get Steven here to drone do some drone footage. <laughs> <laughs> pizzas. Uh, but the other the other problem though is with that now is the barstool guys have their their pizza review, and yeah, that's is actually, it going to seem like I'm riding their coattails. Well, I do, I don't want to jump into that. That's it's, it's an interesting point because it sort of wraps around to uh, to what we were sort of talking about earlier. Like I doing the uh, the FTL Sports, the podcast I used to do. That was another one of the reasons I stopped doing it. Is I was like I don't know 
if I'm not spinning my wheels with content that already exists, right? Like right. we're doing Absolutely. like funny sports kind of satire show. It's not like there's some huge like need for more shows like this, no, right? So I think not. that's the other line. Right. Because the pizza thing is relatable, there's also a good chance that from someone else is doing this as well, right. too, right? Yeah, I mean Portnoy's out there every day. Yeah. He's got a new review. You know, one bite, everybody knows the rules. Well, I don't think you're quite as divisive as a guy like Dave. Oh, God, <laughs> I have Absolutely to say, not. do you like the Barstool stuff? Do you enjoy their content? Um, I, I'm kind of 50-50 on, this, on their content in general. I have a couple of uh, podcasters that I enjoy out of their stable, yeah. but by and large, I'm not a fan. I'm just, you're right in the same wheelhouse as me. I, I would be lying if I said that I didn't think that, pardon my take, guys, are very good Podcasters are they're really, they're really funny. Yeah, um, it does sort of cover up how I feel about the rest of the people <laughs> in the company. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I feel almost the same way with the uh, the Spit Chicklets crew, um, the yeah. hockey podcast. Yep. yep. Um, problem with that is it's straight locker room talk. Yes, it's over the top lock, locker room talk at points. Brought up the Spitting Chicklets uh, podcast because it is the middle of the. NHL playoffs. We are yep. down to the last three teams, I think. That's right. Three teams left right now. Yeah, Boston Bruins. Uh, wait, I think I know this. Don't tell me. Uh, Boston Bruins, uh, the Sharks, who I'm rooting for, and then the team they're playing, who I'm not rooting for. Who is it? St. Louis. St. Louis. Yeah. I'm not Back rooting. to St. Louis. Back to St. Louis and their crummy pizza and their crummy chili. Uh, and that goddamn song, Gloria. That song sucks. I know. That song is awful. <laughs> uh, it was actually a radio station in St. Louis that played it uh, after their last series win. 24 hours straight. Nothing but glory. No, thank you. Right, let me ask you this question. I've, I've been so caught up with the end of the Premier League season and Liverpool's playing in the Champions League final in two weeks, the NBA playoffs. I feel like I've sort of missed this NHL playoffs in general. You were always sort of our hockey correspondent. How are you enjoying this NHL playoffs I'm, so far this year? The playoffs have been weird. Yeah. I think is the right word for it. You know, start off, the Islanders swept the Penguins. The was Islanders high. in turn got swept by the Hurricane. Yeah. And the Hurricane uh, in turn got swept by the Bruins. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so if, if you went in with a broom, you went out with a broom. Who am but I? The, um, in the West, I think the um, the referees have been the story. And really? That's an unfortunate. That's becoming pretty common in almost every sport, I feel like. Now, a lot of the, the last couple weeks of the Premier League season has been a lot of questions about they're adding um, instant replay next year. So... A lot of the questions are like, would this goal stand next year when the instant replay is back? And it's like, I'm so tired of this conversation already. Yep. I'm, it's going to suck. What? Uh, who am I rooting for here in this last three as a non-supporting... You, you nailed it with the Sharks. The Sharks. You said, you said you're the for the Sharks. That's yeah. the team to root for. Um, I would have loved to see Joe Thornton win yeah. a uh, Stanley Cup before he retires. And especially because he was originally a Bruins draft pick. Yeah. And they... Traded him away years ago, and let it come back and bite him. Let that come back and bite them, and send him out on top. It would be awesome. Pun intended. Let the sharks exactly. come back and bite him. I have to say, uh, as a kid, and I don't, this is a really vague reference, you might remember this back in the day. If you went to like J.C. Penney or something with your parents or whatever, they would sell like kids' clothes that were matched. Right? You'd have the T-shirt and the shorts right. that went together. Yep. And as a kid, even though I didn't like hockey. I went to the store and I found this San Jose Sharks t-shirt and shorts combination that had the logo all over it. I thought it was the oh, coolest yeah. logo. So for a long time, logo it's, a, it, it's one of my favorite sports logos of all time. It's just in that perfect ground between kind of serious and kind of goofy. And it's yeah. like, it's it's great. I love it. So it's, I think... And the color scheme, too. Yeah, historically, 
even though I'm not a hockey supporter, I can get behind the Sharks team. I'm a big fan. <laughs> Uh, Peter, I want to thank you for coming on. Um, Thanks for having me. And it's not just because you made me feel bad on the internet that I hadn't had you on the show in a long time. <laughs> uh, no, but you know, you, you, I have to say, and, and I'm not to not just to make you feel good, you have been a longtime supporter of the show on Twitter, and you've always supported us and sharing the show, and even not just the podcast, but maybe Utica and Handshake, and uh, sometimes I, we probably don't give you enough credit for all the stuff you do to help us out, and we do appreciate it. Well, thanks. I, you know, I appreciate everything that you guys do, and that's why I support it. Well, thanks, and it, we've done a lot for the city. Well, thanks, brother. And you know, it it doesn't work without people sort of buying in and wanting to be a part of it. And yeah. I think you are a good example of like you put up with Justin, you dealt with everybody here, <laughs> you're still hanging around, and we appreciate you. You have time for some quick lightning round questions? Heck yeah, let's go. All right, uh, Peter Connors, prime time Peter Connors. You can follow him on Twitter at Pete Forgets, one of my favorite Twitter names. Uh, Pete, when you wake up in the morning, how do you take your coffee? Uh, cream and sugar. Cream and sugar. You've never attempted to go down to just black. I've struggled with uh, this well, all the I'm time. Well, I'm gonna need to get to black because I am working with Utica Coffee, so I, I better. Start oh yeah, that's first. right. So I was gonna ask you about that, that that's too. That's my other uh, job. Yeah. What's your uh, tell? Look, well, I'm gonna ask what your favorite flavor is when you see Frank, Frank Elias. Tell him I need more Southern Pecan. It's my favorite thing they've I ever produced. I love the Southern. Oh pecan. my god, it's my favorite thing they've produced. Me and Justin. To this day, if we see it anywhere, we like stop and have to get it. It's my, it also smells better out of the percolator than any coffee I've ever had in my oh, life. Yeah. It's amazing. I love it so it's much. Definitely one of my favorites. Um, I, so you're gonna try and convert over to black? Huh? I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, gonna yeah. have to learn to drink black. Are they giving you stress about it? No, no, no. You self-imposed mandate. What was your first automobile? A '91 Acura Integra, five-speed. Acura Integra. That was actually like. A, it was kind of a hot car. It was like yeah. a glory boy car back Yeah, I got it for uh, high school graduation. <laughs> How long did you run that thing for? About three years before it crapped out. Yeah, 91. That's about right. I think that first car you always get... I don't remember any of my first cars lasting more than like a year because oh. I paid so little for it. I just didn't want to put a new clutch in. I had like an 87 Honda Accord. I was like, I'm just going to ride this until it yeah. dies. And it didn't take long. <laughs> uh, you right. may or may not have taken your 91 Integra to see it, but what was your first uh, live music event? Almost certain it was one of the early K Rockathons. I don't know what, what year. That's probably a, about ninety five or so. That's a pretty common first concert, first whatever session for a yep. lot of people in this area. I think you know I I don't necessarily love everything that like K Rock has done in terms of their music and choices over the years, but right. they were always such a presence growing up in terms of bringing music they, around they were, here. We got to see a lot of really yeah, good, bands. really cool bands. For a really yeah. cheap price, absolutely. Now, when they started, there was ten bands for ten bucks. And I think it's something to be. I think it's something to say, considering that you know K Rock is still doing its thing. It really hasn't changed form. A lot of these radio stations have changed formats over the years, right. and K Rock has still continued to just kind of do its thing ever since we were we were a kid, just sort of riding along with it. And you got to respect it. Yep. I think you know. Yeah. Oh, abso- absolutely. Yeah. I love them or hate them. You got to respect. No, I, I love it. I mean, I just don't listen to. Right that much music in general anymore that's like my the biggest curse of being a podcast guy is I think like 90% of my listening is like soccer podcast ringer podcast right. yeah, like political exactly. stuff you know, I listen to five or six hockey podcasts yeah exactly in the middle of the week you know it's, it's my a, music listening has definitely gone down well I just listen to old music I've noticed now like old stuff from when I was a kid still yeah. and Steely Dan yeah. Uh, I didn't ask you this one beforehand, which I've been doing for a lot of people but I think you'll be okay if you could have dinner with any person living or dead who is not your relative who would it be, and why? It would be Jerry Garcia. Garcia, yeah. Um, 
I don't know if we need a lie with that. It's Jerry no, Garcia. it's true. I, well, <laughs> let me ask you, I guess, this question because uh, even growing up when I was like into punk rock music, right, um, and I really couldn't have cared less about any other like genre. <laughs> even growing up, you would see a lot of Jerry Garcia stuff around. Even kids in like school wearing the Jerry Garcia T-shirts, obviously, right. like passed down from like your parents and stuff. Do you remember sort of like? What it was about the first time listening to like Grateful Dead or Garcia stuff that sort of hooked you? Was there any particular thing that you were like, oh, what, what is this? I don't know what it was that hooked me. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, I started listening to him in June of 95. I remember yeah. the first time I yeah, sat yeah, down yeah. and consciously listened to him. <clears throat> and two months later, Jerry was gone. Yeah. Like, I hit exact wrong time. I mean, Sublime was like that. Sublime is not as yeah. important of a band in, in the great scheme of things, but that was also something that I remember growing up, like having that first title, that self-titled Sublime album, right. and then my sister would be like, you know, this guy's dead, right? And I was like, oh, well. Oh, well, great. Great. And no more music for me, so. Yeah. Uh, that, you still listen to Grateful Dead these days? I, I still listen yeah. to him now. I uh, I didn't listen to him for, you know, probably four or five years after Jerry passed. Yeah. Really? Be- yeah. Just because I didn't know what was going on, you know. The internet didn't exist yet. Great point. <laughs> the internet Before didn't I was exist 15, it didn't in this period of time, True. which is amazing. Which blows my students' minds sometimes when I talk about it. It was just like the idea. It's like we were really bored. All the yeah. That's why we were just like walking around the streets, causing trouble, all that kind of thing. Um, all right, next question. Uh, book, album, movie, or show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching? I've been... Uh, I'm digging Superstore and uh, that's the NBC show, right? NBC, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, as well as AP Bio. Hey, that's uh, Glenn Howden from uh, yeah. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He's great. Right. And uh, Patton Oswalt. I love Patton Oswalt. Just gonna pretend Justin's not in the room while we're the mayor's ride came. Cancel the interview. Pete's out. Get the mayor. Nice. <laughs> Later on. Later Later in here. See if he wants to come in. Man. I know. <laughs> Tell me he's got to wait in line though. He's got to get in line. He's got to get in line. And Pete, last but not least, uh, give me one. Um, give me one more thing besides uh, community outreach, besides music, besides hockey that you are passionate about. Pizza, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it goes without saying pizza. Um, Friends and family. Yeah. Friend, friends yeah. and family. They're, uh, I always I make this line to people as we get older that uh, it's... There are not more people who will care about you and who come into your life and add more things as you get older. There's just less. So I'm never in any rush to like lose people or alienate people that I know right. because you never know like when it's just like, wait, I don't want to be that kind of guy who just alienates every single person right. then you're all by yourself yep. it's just so important to like be there for other people and just be a good human being I think sometimes yeah and you know none of us can get through this alone so That's very true why alienate somebody that could potentially help you get through something yeah. primetime Peter Connors folks you can follow him on Twitter at Pete Forgets uh, continue your pizza streak we love it we're really enjoying it uh, and thanks for taking time here yeah, at uh, our fifth birthday bash at Maiden Utica which I didn't absolutely mention. happy Fifth birthday made in Utica. No, we're almost old enough to drink now if we were leap. This was like a, if we were, uh, what do you call it? If we were dogs, we could. If we were born on a leap year, we would be 20, 20, we'd be 20. We'd be one year away. So, (laughs) Pete, thanks for joining us. Uh, We'll be back to the show in just a moment.
checked on Pete and his poor burnt head after. He was so sunburned. His yeah. whole head was maroon. Yeah, it's terrible. I felt bad for him. Rough. He's a trooper, though. He kept being like, no, no, it's all good. And I'm looking at him like, is it? Is it's not good, bro. Is it good, though? <laughs> Uh, yeah, thank you, Pete. It's always a pleasure talking to Pete. Uh, we talked a little great bit of guy. hockey. We talked a little what bit of hockey, guy. which is very rare. The only person I would talk hockey with, because I do not care about I'm hockey. I'm one of the only. You'd talk hockey with somebody. Eh, vaguely. I don't know enough about hockey. He's, like, right. a nice enough hockey fan where he doesn't, like... He's not going to lord it over you? Yeah, he's not lording it over me with my lack of hockey knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do have history lessons this week. They are highlighted. So, a little more concise. Uh, although, very topical, this one. 1979, on this day, Elton John became the first Western pop star to tour the USSR. Uh, English rock star Elton John played eight concerts in the Soviet Union between May uh, 21st and 28th, 1979. The two-city tour was significant amid Cold War tensions between the USSR and the West, and a sign of the communist authorities' emerging tolerance toward Western popular culture. Uh, the show was among the most, uh, the first performed in the USSR by a pop act, Billboard magazine said that the show was significant and successful and described John as the first out-and-out rock artist to appear in the USSR, which seems weird because I feel like... I remember, like, Billy Joel going there, but that was, I guess, in the 90s. Mm. And I think I feel like the Beatles went there, but maybe I'm just thinking of the actual song. You're thinking of the song Back, back to the USSR, yeah. right? Mm. Um, in a 1988... Uh, 1986 interview, John said that the Soviet hosts obviously wanted pre-Olympic propaganda, and he regretted that only 10% of the concert tickets were made available to the Russian public. Uh, but he nevertheless recalled the tour as an amazing experience and highlighted the generosity of the Russian uh, people that he met there. Uh, I can't imagine... It probably would be wild, though, to like go to another country and have all these people not only know who you are, but love your music. Right? It's got to be so weird. Like, if we went to, like... Like, think about that when we were young and playing in a band. Like, if all of a sudden, like, you're like, hey, you know one of your songs is, like, really big in Australia? And you're like, what? Let's go to Australia. First playing out. First playing out, baby. Let's do it. These people, these people understand me. These are my people. Uh, Riding the success from uh, the Queen movie, there's an Elton John movie coming out this year. And I think it's November. It's Rocket Mm -hmm. Man starring uh, Taron Egerton, I think, is the guy who's playing him. Mm Mm-hmm. Are you excited for the Elton John movie? Do you think it'll be any good? I'm sure it'll be fine. Just like all those biopics, it's always the same thing. I think every biopic I've ever seen is exactly the same. Do you find it weird when they make a biopic about somebody who's still alive? No. No? It's no. okay with it? Yeah. What if something happens now, though? I just like 85. I'm, what if, and scandalously, then you got to change the movie. Theoretically. I, although, I think if Elton John had any scandals that were coming out, they've already all you know come what out I mean? and people love them anyway. What it's else? a great point. That's nah, true. Spoiler alert, he's gay. Like, you know what I mean? People he did lots know. of drugs. He liked to party. Yeah. People already know. Uh, all right. Moving on to another music-based one. Uh, very close to my heart. 1981, uh, reggae musician Bob Marley received a Jamaican state funeral. Uh, considered one of the pioneers of reggae, his musical career was marked uh, by blending elements of reggae, ska, and rock steady, as well as forging a smooth and distinctive vocal and songwriting style. Uh, he contributed to the music increase... Uh, his contributions to music increased the visibility of Jamaican music worldwide, made him a global figure in pop culture for over a decade. Uh, I always tell the story when I was growing up, my sister had two CDs. She was like 10 years older than me when we were living in the house together. She had two CDs and she would play them on rotation every day in the morning, back to back. Self-titled Sublime album, Bob Marley's Legend, back to back. I did not know what marijuana was when I was like seven years old, but my sister definitely knew when she was seventeen. <laughs> I don't know. I I don't need to check that with her. If you owned those two albums and you played them in rotation, you were down. I think. I suppose. 
as was Bob Marley, who was an outspoken support uh, for the legalization of marijuana. He was also an advocate for pan-Africanism. Uh, he's considered a global symbol for Jamaican culture and identity. Do um, you have any particular favorite Bob Marley songs, albums, tracks, anything you like about Bob Marley particularly? He's got a lot of great songs. I think, you know, one of the things is that's a little bit of a shame, and hopefully you see change with the whole notion of Bob Marley in our culture. I think because he got so co-opted yeah. uh, by the hardcore stoners and, like, college freshmen and people like that. Everybody had that. I think that yeah. he gets uh, pushed into a more reductive place in the culture than he deserves. I think that he, in a lot of ways, doesn't get taken seriously enough or is only taken seriously as a caricature. Whereas when you go back and like mm-hmm. listen to you know listen to about the guy's life and you know read about him and you know listen to some of the music and the way some things evolved and in the context of being like mm-hmm. a Jamaican artist at the time and everything, it's a really really rich and rewarding story. Um, so yeah, that's my thoughts. Uh, I loved. I, I think as a kid, you know, like I I didn't I just see like, that biopic. Yo, give me the Bob Marley biopic. That'll be. I'm out. into that. That'll I. Be out. I I loved it as a kid. Like I definitely was one of those kids who played guitar growing up, and I knew how to play a redemption song because it's a really easy, like guitar song and like a fundamental, like acoustic guitar song. Uh-huh. And uh, I mean, like I loved like "Stir It Up," and I always tell that story that when I was a kid, the song "Stir It Up" by Bob Marley. Stir it yeah. Up. I didn't. Again, my sister played it. I always thought they were singing "Cereal." Cereal. I actually yeah. don't love that song. I like that song. I like um, out of like his the most like get up stand up songs. Get up stand up is a good one. Could you be loved? Could you be loved? One that I like quite a bit. Oh yeah. Could, could you be loved? Got that is little this like love also. Um, if you're looking for not just the album Legend, which is like the album that every kid in college and is like start there. That's a good spot. It's an amazing album, by the way. It's like one of the best greatest hits albums you'll ever see. But uh, I actually had the album Exodus, which is the one that was like his popular like 1977 studio album. Yeah, yeah. And that's like got the amazing second half. It's a great album. So if you haven't looked up any Bob Marley, uh, dig in. Start with Exodus and Legend, and, and go from there. Uh, on this day, 1993, uh, the 274th and final episode of Cheers aired on NBC. I think we did a lot of final episodes. We did Friends three weeks ago. And, oh, two weeks ago. End of the television season. And yeah, I guess it is. These all Television f- season ends in, like, April, May. That's true. I guess it's that's a good point. It's been April, May. Um, uh, so, in- I feel like we've talked about Cheers a lot. So, uh, what I did is, instead of pulling up, like, facts or little stories about Cheers, I found an article... From the Baltimore Sun in 1993 on May 16th that was writing about um, the last episode of Cheers and like the legacy of Cheers. And I found a couple of things where they were kind of crapping on Cheers and I thought it was interesting. So here's a vaguely negative article about the legacy of Cheers from 1993 from the Baltimore Sun. Along with shows like Cosby and the Wonder Years, Cheers was a product of the 1980s culture, uh, culture industry that addressed present day feelings of need or loss with a fondly remembered institution from the past. Cheers spoke to the need of those who were physically moved away from their roots and made life in the new apartment in a new city feel a little less cold, impersonal, or lonely on Tuesday, Thursday nights. Lest we forget, Cheers also embodied some of the worst aspects of the 1980s. It was often sexist and consistently anti-intellectual. Much of the humor example came from Sam and the bar's male patrons mocking Diane's academic aspirations and Rebecca's desire to move up the corporate ladder. The show's anti-intellectualism and sexual uh, sexist tendencies came together in the depiction of Lilith, the producer's vision of what happens when you let a woman get too much education. It's like harsh. Of course, when I look back at it, they, I mean, different time, but again, spot the lie, I suppose. It's, it's all true. <laughs> uh, Cheers started out... Good my... for them for having that take in 93. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, they come, they're going to come back around here in a second. This was like one particular take about the show. I mean, uh, it started out in the minds of NBC executives in the early 80s as a sitcom that would play off the success of the Miller Lite beer commercials featuring retired athletes in barroom settings. Coach and Sam, the women chasing big uh, ex-Bigs League pitchers, were the result of that vision. And while both became great comic characters, at its worst, Cheers was a sitcom as beer commercial, with Sam pitching the why-ask-why philosophy heard in beer commercials today. That's a dated reference to... Uh, old beer commercials with, uh, remember that? Why ask why? No. That was like Bud Dry. It was from, it, it, definitely a dated reference. Um, in the end, Cheers triumphed over most of its worst tendencies oh. and became something more than a great sitcom. Became a real place that brought real pleasures to millions of uh, visiting viewers. We've talked about Cheers a million times. Do you have any other takes about Cheers we haven't covered? Uh, I mean, that man said a lot in those ten paragraphs. He, yeah, good. I mean, it's a pretty good show. It's dated, but what are you going to do? I, again, I think you're right, actually. Though. This is a pretty hot take for 93, I feel like, when the show was almost like universally beloved, it felt like. Mm. Although maybe people were looking for negative takes in 93. They always are. Always are. Always are. Some things never change. Uh, on this day, 2017, the Barnum & Bailey Circus's final performance at the Nassau Coliseum in New York City after 146 years. I can't remember the last time I went to a circus. No, I was a very young child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the traditional like image of like a circus from when we were a kid from like Dumbo movies and like uh, so it was like the big giant tents and the big top tents. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, but after 1956, that didn't actually happen anymore. The idea of like circuses driving around on trains and building up their tents stopped, and they just started using sports stadiums and arenas. Uh, there were two major motion pictures uh, released about this uh, about the Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus, particularly P.T. Barnum. The first one was in 1952. It was a Cecil B. DeMille movie called The Greatest Show on Earth. Have you ever heard of it? Yeah. Did you ever see it? Uh, maybe. I watched it as a kid, and it's uh, it's kind of <coughs> like a sad movie about the circus. I guess the circus is kind of sad. <laughs> and like it's super, it's super sad. sad. What do you mean? The circus is awful. <laughs> it is kind of awful, right? Yeah. And the, this was like the, an early rendition of like the circus as awful, kind of sad, nomadic lifestyle. It's also considered one of the first examples of an Oscar movie that won Best Picture that people were like, this was not the best picture that year, this is a scam. Like, one of the very first examples of, like, public outrage over a movie winning Best Picture. Uh, so there you go. Also, the more recent Greatest Showman, starring uh, Hugh Jackman, which I also didn't see, but got surprisingly popular because of its soundtrack, is about P.T. Barnum. Uh, that movie was really popular. Uh... What do you think the main reasons for the re for the end of the circus were? Uh, are you do you have an answer? Are you yeah, there are three there are three reasons that were given. They're not here. making any money. They're abusing the hell out of animals. And nobody wants to work at the circus. Bam! Three in a row. Working at, uh, weakening attendance, uh, many animal rights protests, and high high operating costs. Yeah, uh, that's why they finally ended up closing. Uh, yeah, the circus. I mean, I. I I used to like the idea of the circus as a kid, like the romantic ideal of it, but I feel like there's nothing exciting about a circus as I get older. <laughs> Poor animals. I feel bad for the animals. Yeah. Yeah, you, you feel bad for... Yeah, we're past, we're past it. Um, and last but not least, from 2018, uh, Barack Obama and Michelle Obama signed a deal with Netflix to produce films and series. So from last year, uh, I brought this up because there was, uh, there was some release of some of the early looks at the shows and films that they're planning. Uh, so I, I highlighted about five or six of them. I'll give you a very quick description, and you tell me your level of interest, and we'll go. First one is American Factory. 
a documentary that examines life in Ohio where a Chinese billionaire uh, opened a factory in a former General Motors plant and hired 2,000 people. Uh, it's about the early days of hope and optimism that give way to setbacks as high-tech China clashes with working-class America. Yes. I'm into that, right? It's sort of like a, a documentary version of the movie Gung Ho, which I liked as a kid. Although that movie's sort of problematic I, I now. I couldn't speak to that at all. But Michael that Heaton? sounds interesting. Yeah. Uh, that's sort of what that movie's about. Um, how about... Blue? War, isn't Gung Ho a war movie? No. There, there is a movie that... Well, we can talk about that later. There's okay. a different movie called Gung Ho. Uh, Bloom. A drama series set in post-World War II New York that will explore the barriers faced by women and by people of color in an era marked by hurdles, but also tremendous progress. Sounds cool. I'm into any sort of old New York City type show. Uh-huh. Uh, how about a film adaptation of Frederick Douglass's Prophet of Freedom, the Pulitzer Prize winning biography? Yeah. I love it. Uh, an adaptation of the New York Times series Overlooked about people whose deaths were previously not reported by the newspaper. The obituaries have been produced in a recurring feature in the paper, so it's like a takeoff. Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting one. I, I Sounds more interesting than most. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the, uh, a series based on the Michael Lewis book, The Fifth Risk, The Undoing of Democracy, which is specifically about the Trump presidency and his relationship to the Department of Energy, Department of Agriculture, and Department of Commerce. High level. Love it. Uh and listen to your vegetables and eat your parents. A half-hour documentary, a half-hour series for preschoolers that takes uh, take young children and their families around the globe on an adventure that tells us the story of our food. Uh, the QAnon idiots are going to think they're serious and talking about ritual sacrifice of yes. human beings. And they say eat your parents, just so you know. <laughs> that's true. what they're going to say. Uh, all right, so that's our history lessons right. for the week. Um, I only have one bit from another blog here for you. It's a quick restaurant-based question. Uh, we both work in restaurants. You've had this turn up where someone doesn't like their meal or they didn't enjoy it. What do you usually do for them? Well, what do you mean? Like if someone says, like, how did you enjoy your dinner? You walk up to them and say, how did you folks enjoy your dinner? Ah, it was only okay. I didn't really like it. You want me to get you something else? No, 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 no. What do you generally do for that person afterwards? You comp it? Not if they ate it. You give them dessert? Yeah. You can Free offer dessert, them something. Right? Like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. You know, can I offer you something else? Or, you know, you, you try to divine to the reasons of what they're talking about. Because, like... If you ordered something, wasn't as good as you thought it was going to be, but you ate the whole thing, eh, sorry, that's the breaks. It happens sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, okay. if you if you take two bites and you're like, I'm sorry, I really don't like this, I can't eat it, we'll copy, we'll make something new. You know what I mean? We'll get you a different dinner. But if you ate the whole thing, now you're just complaining? No. Yeah. I feel like the question was basically, is free dessert enough of a comp if you screwed up somebody's meal? If you, if you, if well, did you screw up or did they not like it? Those are two entirely two different, different situations. Things. You screwed up somebody's meal, you should make it again for them. Yeah, right. of course. And yeah. if they don't want you to make it again for them, I suppose free dessert is like a nice gesture. What else do they expect? What else would you expect, right? Like yeah, well, You didn't eat anything, so we're not going to make you pay. You ever you had offered that free dessert, what else you want? I used to get that one. People would get, get their item, they didn't finish it, they didn't like it, and they didn't want anything else. Yeah. That's always a tough one. It's like, I don't know what to do for you. you want coffee, tea, something? Anything? Yeah. I mean, that's always a tough go. Yeah, you, I mean, you can offer them stuff. But at a certain point, like, nope, nope, I'm just going to sit here. Okay, and sit there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, at a certain point, I'm not, it's, I don't know, it's not past the point of my responsibility to make you feel happy if you're just going to be a miserable person. You know what I mean? That's fair. That's fair. All right, I got two quick news stories, and then uh, and then we'll, we'll close her out here today. Uh, number one, weird news story. I'm sure you've read about the Taco Bell Destination Hotel they're opening up. It's called... I haven't. It's... Okay, here we go. In Palm Springs next month, reservations will open for The Bell, a Taco Bell hotel and resort. 
The destination uh, is described as a taco uh, oasis resort. That's that's very lame and punny. Run for a limited time as the restaurant transforms an existing hotel into a Taco Bell themed establishment, complete with a salon, poolside cocktails, and breakfasts ordered to Taco Bell guest rooms. What are your thoughts about going to the Taco Bell? Hilarious. Hotel? I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. That's fine. I mean, depending what they're charging, yeah, it's a gimmick. I respect that they always come up with interesting like they marketing do. concepts. They if, do. if nothing else, you don't even have to like their food. You have to kind of respect that Taco Bell always finds good ways to keep their name in the in the press, right? Some way or another, whether it's a Doritos taco or a hotel or like just giving away tacos when people get a certain score in a basketball game or steal a base in the World Series. Always smart. Good stuff. Great marketing department. Went to Taco Bell this weekend, actually. It was pretty good. I got a breakfast quesadilla. It was all right. Smart. <laughs> uh, is there any other fast food restaurants you can think of that you'd like to go as a, to as a hotel? <laughs> what's, a, what's a better hotel for you? Than, Everybody else got a trash You don't want to go to the Wendy's hotel? No. It feels like it'd be gross. If, I mean, just, yeah. For, no. <laughs> I don't know why. It just feels like it wouldn't be good. Uh, all right. And, uh, and in, in the also not surprising news, um, there was a... Uh, there was a story in Bloomberg this week about uh, how a lot of banks and stuff are lending and sending out uh, loans and getting people to buy property on the Florida real estate market on like the, on the coast. And the argument is they it should be illegal for people to give spending loans for 30 years in Florida because the coast isn't going to be there in 30 years and Florida's sinking. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. So, in a roundabout way, don't move to Florida and don't buy 30-year leases on the coast because in 30 years your property will no longer be there. You should buy 30-year leases inland. That's the move. Yeah, I'm just not Florida. Or just... <laughs> Sorry. I don't know what to tell you. I really don't. Uh, all right. I heard somebody say the other day that America is the Florida of the world. Mm-hmm. And it was super fitting. Oh, man. <laughs> super duper fitting. Oh, it hurts. I can feel it a little bit. Because <laughs> you know it's true. Close. It's close in the chest. Because you know it's true. Uh, just a quick reminder uh, before we get to this last segment. Um... School board elections Tuesday. If you're not, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, go vote in your local school board election. It's very important. Uh, handshake that safe for any upcoming events as well as our promos. Uh, I don't know how I got around here this week, but I found an interesting article about Chris Farley, and it was a question in a mailbag, I believe. It was like, "Do you think if Chris Farley was alive today, he ever would have been able to win an Academy Award, or would he ever been able like, could he have gotten around to getting an Oscar today if he were still alive and still like making movies?" And it was and the general question was like, well, I guess the project is important. Like, what kind of project? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I've never seen anything that would lead me to believe that he had yeah. that level of acting in his him. chops, right? Yeah. But yeah, yeah. have I seen guys who have like an undeniable physical energy find a weird way to channel that in the right role and get overly rewarded for it? Yeah, sure. I think he also was a little bit before the era of like comedians doing drama, like. I think he would have at some point in time eventually... I mean, he only did, like, four movies. Like, it died exactly. pretty fast. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, and it got me into this article called The Lost Roles of Chris Farley. And these are some of the movies that he was lined up for before he passed away. So, a lot of... These are all movies that were made, too. So, we'll run through a couple of them, and we'll see what sort of happened. Did you know that he was originally in line to be the main character in the movie The Cable Guy in 1996? Who was going to be the Jim Carrey? Yes. Uh, Farley had a two-picture deal with Paramount that was about to run out when Tommy Boy was released. But Tommy Boy was such a big hit that Paramount decided to keep him in line for his, another contract and wouldn't release him to go make The Cable Guy, which got passed off to Jim Carrey and Ben Stiller and became a thing of its own. 
So I don't know about the. And apparently, the movie became very different. I can yeah. see that movie being much more wholesome with Chris Farley sure. in it. It wouldn't be as dark and weird. And I don't think that's a better movie for for Chris Farley than Jim. It's a different movie. Yeah. Uh, how about 1996's Kingpin? He was supposed to be in that bowling movie, Kingpin. He was supposed to play the Randy Quaid role. Mm. The like the Amish, uh, the Amish bowler. Like the I yeah. can see it. No. He's sort of like the friendly, like happy go lucky. I'm not saying he couldn't do it, but I don't think he would have been better than Randy Quaid in that role. No, you don't think so. All right. Uh, in 1998, he turned down the. Lead. He's too much. Too much. He's too much to convince me that he's actually Amish. He's too too much. You don't think you could have played like the Chris Farley show, sort of like uh, uh kind of like not the. The old... only reason that he ever does that is so he can eventually burst Free, out, right? You know what I mean? Right, right, right. It's all leading up to. Yeah. That's the other thing too. I guess like if he did a whole movie of just being restrained, I feel like the whole time you're watching it, you'd be waiting for the outburst. Right? Like, you're so trained because of his, like, comedy persona that, like, if he's being earnest, I keep waiting. I would have a hard time, even if he was yelling about something serious, not laughing at it. Do you know what I mean? Like, if he was screaming about something important to the plot, I'd still hear, like, motivational therapist, Max, you know, whatever his name is. Uh, Basketball, 1998, which I've actually never seen. Uh, Farley turned. Is it pretty good? You would like it. Uh, He turned down the lead role in that movie. It's a Uh, weird movie. Yeah, it, he passed on it. Uh, it went to Matt and Trey Parker, who had just gotten South Park over as a hit. So that yeah, was like yeah. a timing thing. Uh, and then famously in 2001, he was supposed to be in Shrek. Uh, he had actually recorded uh, a significant ap- amount of the dialogue, like 95%, to 90 to 95% of the recorded dialogue for the movie uh, when he passed away. Uh, Mike Myers came in and totally redid the character, changed the voice, changed a lot of what the movie was supposed to be about. Again, I, I can't, it's hard to know without, like, hearing it, but that first Shrek movie was very much based around, like, Mike Myers' performance, right? So I feel like the original version of that with Farley would have been very different as well. I don't think I've ever really seen Shrek. The, I, I mean, mean, I'm, like, aware of it, and I know what it is. I've probably seen a scene here or there, and, you know, I see it around everywhere, but I don't think I've ever actually watched one of the movies. Uh, he's supposed. I to was be... too old when Shrek came out. Probably two thousand one. I saw. I wasn't seeing Shrek at that point. It's a, it's a good movie. That's what it's I hear. actually very funny. I've heard. Um, and I don't know if it holds up now with the animation. It's again, it's nineteen years old, eighteen years old now, right? Uh, it might not look as good as it did back then. Back then, it was like a very visually appealing movie. Uh, they're supposed to make a super fans movie based on the SNL skit with Chris Farley and those guys oh. and the Bears. Uh, that's a tough skit for like three minutes, let alone like ninety minutes. I don't Not know. Not a tough skit for three minutes. I think you're misguided there, but I don't see them being able to turn that into a full movie. No, no I'd be tough. Uh, he was signed on to do Ghostbusters three Hellbent, which was in production at the time. Would've but been awesome. Uh, and then here's the last one that people were sort of talking about. In 1997, he had begun planning his first dramatic film, a biopic about famous silent film star Fatty Arbuckle. Uh, and about how his he was uh, falsely accused of manslaughter and rape in a highly publicized trial uh, before passing away. I don't know, cool. So there, there's your first moment where it's like, okay, that's an interesting, like, I like to see him sort of lean into a part that's not necessary. Yeah, he wouldn't have won anything for it, but... Well, it's hard to... That's the first thing I could think of, of yeah. any of these things listed here that would have been like, oh, well, that's interesting, right? Well, yeah, like, that's the only, like, serious movie that yeah. he named. 
What are your thoughts? I loved Chris Farley as a kid, although I have to say, when you go back and watch a lot of those movies, I don't think Black Sheep holds up at all. Like, I know there's some people who love that movie. I haven't watched Black Sheep for a long time. I love Tommy Boy. I think Tommy Boy is still really funny. Mm-hmm. Tommy Boy is a good movie. And that's probably the best full application of Chris Farley, I think, for me. Like, the perfect application of him. Just, like, warm, warm-hearted warm enough and kind of cheery but still has that edge and it's kind of funny and off the wall. Like it's that good middle ground between... I feel like I laugh at Tommy Boy, but I feel like I'm also over Tommy Boy. I've probably made you watch Tommy Boy a lot, though. I don't think I've ever watched it with you. Really? Yeah. I, I watched it with like once a it's, year. But it's everywhere. Like Everybody watches it everywhere all the time. It used to be on TV like twice a day, every day on four different stations for like 10 years. Yeah. It's just it's, it's so, one, it's so much of it where it's good. I'm, I'm not saying that it's I know. I'm, I'm not like, saying anything like that. I'm just like... It's... It's too much. It only makes all the rest of the stuff yeah. kind of reductive. He's only in like what, four movies, five movies. Well, they get bad real quick, right? Tommy Boy's Do pretty. They? Tommy Boy's good. What's bad? I don't care for Black Sheep. It's too over the top. Uh, I Beverly Hills Ninja is not funny. It's just not. I haven't seen that in a long. It's long just time. not a good movie. I couldn't say. Uh, and I like the movie Almost Heroes a lot. You're about I, to say some dumb I, shit. No, right I now. love that movie. You're about to say some dumb shit. Go ahead. Nope. I Say think it. most people Say think it. that movie sucks. Most people don't know. Most people don't know. They haven't seen it. I, I most people haven't go watch, seen. Oh, go watch almost. Go Heroes. watch almost heroes. Almost heroes is hilarious. Also, a good application of Farley, but that one you can tell that that's toward like when he's he looks rough in that movie. He looks like physically like rough in a way that he didn't in Tommy Boy, and I don't know if that's just like he's a pioneer or like he yeah looks... I mean he is like covered in dirt with like weird sideburns the whole time it doesn't help it doesn't yeah, yeah, yeah. I it, gotcha he, he knowing where he's going mm-hmm. it he looks much worse in that movie than he does hilarious like, movie though hilarious hilarious Matthew Perry movie Matthew Perry Matthew Perry really good in that Eugene movie. Levy is excellent yeah. in that movie as yeah. uh what, what's his name not Hidalgo that's the no, other no, guy no no Hidalgo is really uh, good though Guy, Guy Lafontaine yeah, something like that. Uh, it's, something like that. I'll have to look it up. Go go watch Almost Heroes. Uh, that's it. Let's close on that for this week. Good good talk about that. No one showed up for Game of Thrones. Uh, people were disappointed. That's our spoiler alert, seems like. The Dragons yeah, Go won. watch Almost Heroes. We'll go, watch, go watch Almost Heroes. Uh, follow Heather on uh, Twitter. Make her feel better why she's sick at HeatherWaz1. Uh, you can follow Kevin underscore Kevin Sullivan. You can follow me at SFDoom or just follow the show at Uticast. We are on Instagram, SoundCloud, Facebook, uh, Stitcher Podcast, Apple Podcast, taking over the web. Uh, tape machines are rolling. We are desperately out of time. Sorry, and our humanoids. Keep it tight. Woodstock lives. Uh, we will be back for episode 205 next week. Peace.